Good morning. I always think it's a real privilege to speak on Remembrance Sunday. And as Becky says, we're carrying on our series, Acts, the Message and the Mission. And this morning, I've been asked to speak on boldness, which when you think about the things that we've been remembering and the people that we've been remembering, it's quite apt because young men went to war whether they wanted to or not, whether that was something that they'd have signed up to out of their own willingness or not. During the world wars, young men went to war and they became bold, whether they wanted to or not sometimes. But I think this morning to be able to speak on boldness and to encourage you that no matter where you find yourself today, whether you are quite a bold person or a very shy and would rather just hide away somewhere person or even somewhere just in between the two, that there are things in life that can come along that can cause you to be bold and can cause you to go on to do great things. So that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I just wanted to um, just share a little story with you that where I'm, I'm quite a shy person. You probably don't think that's seeing me on the stage, but I'm quite a shy person and quite reserved and um, sort of like to keep myself to myself, and I'm like that in a lot of my life. And we have a dog, for those of you who didn't know. I'm sure a lot of you do. And we had a... We had a phase of when somebody came home and perhaps Paul or myself were in, that we'd open the front door and we'd say, oh, look who's home, Pepper. And Pepper would dart out onto the front yard and it was, it was wonderful and joyous. Until one day when this happened, the dog came out to me and I was like, oh, my dog, my baby, I love you. It's so nice to see you. And she's looking at me and she's looking at me, then she's looking past me. And the cat was in the street, across the road, and Pepper was gone. At this point, I no longer became the quiet neighbour who waved politely over the fence. I became a crazed lunatic who screamed at my children, Go and get daddy! who was in the house and had somehow disappeared from the moment he'd opened the door when we'd arrived. And I ran across the road with no fear of a car. Young people, please do not do this. Always use your road safety advice. At which point the dog was growling at the cat. And the cat, for some bizarre reason, thought that arching its back, fluffing out its tail and going like this was going to stop a terrier. Pepper was having none of it. They ran back across the road, launched through many a neighbour's front lawn, which I boldly followed, which I would never dream of doing in my normal state of mind. At which point, Paul emerged from the house thinking that somebody was dead from the screaming noise that I was making. And many other neighbours come out and thought that the devil dog next door had got out and was killing our dog, but just to find that our dog was actually chasing a cat. At this point, reality dawned back on me. The boldness left me in a second, and I said, Paul, get your dog, and returned to the house in shame. But boldness can come upon us when passion for something takes over us. I love our dog. 
I like cats, but I love our dog. I didn't want our dog to eat someone's cat because that would be quite traumatic for everybody. But I didn't want a car to hit our dog. And I wanted her to behave and do as she was told, which she has great difficulty with. So all of these things came out of me rather than my usual reserved. Hello, nice to see you neighbours. I'm going in my house now. And it seems to be of a bit of a running theme in our street where dogs are concerned. There used to be a dog in our street that was called Spot and he was rather on the vicious side. And if he got out, everybody, including the postman, knew, get inside or you will be bitten. Now, you need not fear because eventually the police did come and Fluff, not Fluffy, Spot had to be put down because he was just, in fact, a lunatic dog. We have a few of them in our streets. I think Pepper is joining the club. But there was one occasion where Spot the lunatic dog got out. Everyone was barred in their houses looking through the window. I think a number of people had rang the police because the lady who owned the dog was not in. And we had Paul's cousin and his wife, they'd come to visit us, and it was time for them to leave. So we'd opened the door, and they'd attempted to leave into their car, which was actually on our drive, which was not far from the front door. But no, Spot was having none of this. Not a soul is coming out of the house. He barked his snarls, and he was ready to bite. Paul felt the boldness come upon him. I'm telling you, it's where dog's concerned. Paul felt the boldness come upon him, went and got a stool, and like a lion tamer... So that his cousin and his wife could actually get into the car and escape from our maniac street that we live in that is surrounded by lunatic dogs. So there are circumstances where boldness comes out of us. But I know a God who wants to fill you with boldness that doesn't just come out of you because of circumstance forces it upon you or when you feel you should and then after you're a bag of nerves thinking, I can't believe I attacked that dog with a stool. But boldness is something that is part of who you are. And I believe that that's something that God wants to do within each and every one of us this morning. And in the book of Acts, we're going to read from chapter four in a minute. And Paul last week talked about Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they were filled with the Spirit and they went and shared the gospel. They changed from these timid men and women into men and women who went and declared that God was good, that Jesus had died on the cross and risen again and all these amazing things. But then as we move through the next few chapters, we find that Pentecost is over, that Peter and John go to pray in the temple and there they find a man who is lame. You've probably heard this story. And they say in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, which he did. And people celebrated. But the religious leaders at the time were not impressed with the fact that they were going around healing people in Jesus' name who they killed on a cross and wanted to hear no more about. So they hauled Peter and John into prison for questioning and they spent the night there before they met with them again. And that's where we pick up the account in Acts 4. Let's have a look. So Acts 4, 8 to 14, it says, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, answered them. And this is talking to the religious leaders. Leaders of the people and elders, if we are being questioned today about the good deed done to the lame man and how he was healed, then you should all know and all the people of Israel should know that this man stands here before you completely well through the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. 
Jesus is the one of whom the scripture says, the stone that you, the builders, despised turned out to be the most important of all. The members of the council were amazed to see how bold Peter and John were and to learn that they were ordinary men of no education. They realized then that they had been companions of Jesus. Salvation is to be found through him alone in all of the world. There is no one else whom God has given who can save us. But there was nothing that they could say because they saw the man who had been healed standing there with Peter and John. And then we go on and we read on in the chapter, in chapter four, how eventually they let them go and they go back to the other disciples, explain what had happened. And let's read the next part. It says, and this is, this is a prayer that the disciples together prayed in light of everything that had gone on. And now, Lord, take notice of the threats they have made and allow us, your servants, to speak your message with all boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and grant that wonders and miracles may be performed through the name of your, of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had finished praying, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim God's message with boldness you know they receive boldness for the message and for the mission and that's the first thing that I want to talk to you about like I said they were timid men and women who before they encountered the Holy Spirit a few chapters before they'd been scared they were hidden away and then when the Holy Spirit came they felt like they could go out and declare they had an understanding that they could go and share what had happened but it wasn't until they prayed again that they were filled with the boldness for the message and the mission that was to come for them and it said in the chapter that we read that they were uneducated they got no scholarly teaching they were probably people of low self-esteem and low confidence. So today, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, my self-esteem is actually shot. I have no confidence to go and speak to people, to apply for a new job, to do something different. Then you're in good company because that's where the disciples found themselves. They'd been filled with the spirit that had enabled them to go out, but still they knew that they couldn't do this alone. After John and Peter's experience of going and spending the night in jail, of being bullied by the elders and the leaders of the time, they knew they needed something more. What they'd got just wasn't enough. And the good news this morning is Jesus has got more to give you, to help you for what is to come in your life, for the things that he's calling you to, for your mission and for your message to be declared in and through your life. The Holy Spirit comes to fill us again as he came to fill them again for the job in hand, for the task that he's calling us to do. So if you're thinking ahead and thinking, I've got exams coming up, I've got a dissertation due, I've got this thing that I've got to do at work, I've got to go for a job interview, I've got to go and sit with a member of my family and I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I don't know how to help my kids. What do I do? Then the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill you again with boldness for the task in hand. And all that you have to do is ask. In Acts 5.14, it says this, this is the next chapter 
But more and more people were added to the group, a crowd of men and women who believed in the Lord. Boldness brought above and beyond where they were already at. Boldness added to what was going on. Boldness caused the church to grow. If you want to see growth in your personal life, then you need some boldness to come in to help you to do the things that you need to get to do to cause that growth to happen. We see miracles, we see addition, we see people filled with awe, we see people fearing God above men because of the boldness that came. And all that they had to do was ask. All that they had to do was pray. God, give us boldness for this. And the Holy Spirit didn't fail to come and pour out everything that they needed. So can I encourage you above all else, if you're thinking, I need some boldness this week to deal with these things that are coming up. I need some boldness to help me just generally in my life because I feel like I'm a gibbering wreck. I need some boldness. All you need to do is ask. And God will come and fill you afresh for the message and the mission that he's calling you to. And you know, boldness comes to transform us. And that's my second point. My first point was that there's boldness for the message and the mission. My second point is boldness comes to transform us. Let's read in 2 Timothy 1. It says, for the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. And many of us can perhaps have read this verse before and thought, I love that part of the Bible. I love that God doesn't bring me a spirit of fear or timidity, depending on which version that you read. But he comes to give me a spirit that is full of power and love and self-control. But I think so often we get to the end and think, yeah, but do we actually ask ourselves, yeah, but what makes me timid? What are the things in my life that make me timid? And I think it's a really important question to ask ourselves because if we don't know what the things are that make us timid, we don't necessarily know what we need to pray about and ask God to help us with. Some people are afraid of spiders. And we all know about it because when they see one, they scream extremely loudly. And somebody who is very kind will run to their aid and help. I don't generally have this issue, apart from if it's a really huge one. And I'm not scared of it, but I'm just like, I just really don't want to touch it. It's, it's over hairy for my liking. Hence why I married a bald man. So at this point, I will say, Grace, you love spiders. Come and get it. It would really like to say hello to you. And Grace has no fear of spiders and will go and get it and give it a little stroke and say hello to it and then throw it outside at my bidding. And all I need to do was ask. But if we don't know the things that are making us timid, we don't know what to ask God to help us with. So let us spend a minute to consider, well, what does make me timid? Maybe it's other people. 
Let's be honest, some people are quite scary and intimidating, aren't they? That's okay if people make you timid. Ask God to give you boldness. Not so that you can steamroll them, but so that you can be full of love and power. Maybe it's your past that makes you timid because it makes you feel small because of the things you've done. Because it makes you feel small because you think, I'm never going to escape it. Because it makes you feel small because you feel like there's no way you can move forward. God wants to give you boldness to face your past so you can move to your future. God wants to give you boldness to say to your past, actually, if you're past, then it is time to say goodbye to you because I'm going forward and into my future. So this morning, if your past makes you timid, ask God for boldness to face it and move on. Maybe your future makes you timid because you're afraid of what's to come. You're afraid of, oh my goodness, and you get that Monday feeling coming on a Sunday night thinking, oh no. And strictly results come on and you think, oh, I'm going to go to work in the morning. Don't be afraid of your future. God is already there waiting for you. All you need to do is ask him for the boldness to step into it and be brave as you go. Maybe your self-worth, fear, confidence or lack of it. The way that we react to things, our peers. It's so easy to allow those around us, our friends and those close to us, to cause us to be timid and not stand up for the things that we really believe because we're afraid of what they will say. We're afraid that they may reject us. We're afraid that they, they'll push us aside and say, we don't want anything to do with you if you don't want to get involved with this or you don't want to be this person or you don't want to join in with this. But when your peers make you timid and no longer stand up for who you know and love, that's the time to pray and ask for boldness to come so you can be bold for the message and the mission God is calling you to. Maybe uncertainty makes you timid. I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like to know what's happening and I like everything in its place and everything sorted and everything right. Yesterday was Olivia's party and we arrived at the party venue and they went in to swim and I was setting up um, the room with the chairs and the tables and um, some of the family were there helping and, and Michael and Mandy had come along as well and, and they were helping. I was like, I have to put these chairs in certain places so all the chairs are together in the right order and the same colour ones are next to each other. And I'm aware that Michael said to Mandy, do chairs matter? And Mandy said, yes, they do. They may not matter to them, but they matter to me. And the uncertainty of all random chairs and things different and things not how I would like it quite freaks me out. It makes me feel timid and afraid, so I have to come into control and sort it all out. But actually, God wants us to let go and allow boldness to come in and trust him that everything's okay anyway, even in a world of uncertainty, because we can't control everything and everyone. So as control freaks in the room, and I'm speaking to myself, we have to learn to let go and allow God to fill us with boldness so that we're no longer afraid, so that we can bring that message and that mission and bring love. 
So ask yourself today, go away and think about it. What makes me timid? And from that point, ask God to fill you with boldness so that that thing no longer makes you timid. It says timidity doesn't come from the Holy Spirit, doesn't come from God. Instead, the Spirit fills us with these things. The Spirit fills us with power. That's the boldness. The power comes. There is power for you in every circumstance you face. There is power. You just need to ask. The Spirit comes and fills us with love. And we need that because so often it's easy, especially if you feel a little bit afraid or you feel intimidated to allow other emotions to take over you to help you fight back. Anger can be one of them. Frustration can be one of them. As a mum, very often... You stand on the schoolyard and your child comes out of school and they're perhaps blubbering or crying and they come and tell you something. The teacher said this to me today and I don't like And then this child kicked me in the head and then this happened and suddenly you turn into Superman and you whip your clothes off with your outfit underneath and you think, anyone who touches my child, I will get you with my eyes of fire and my breath of ice and whatever superpowers you want to have as a mum but you turn into these super mums who are quite lunatic people actually and the other a couple of months ago I sit and wait for Grace as she walks down from the high school and I was sitting in the car waiting for Olivia and as she walked across the car park a little lip began to go and tears were filling in her eye and I was like who has done it I will find you and I was thinking, somebody has said something, somebody's, I'm going to get them. And this is what was going through my head, which is a very unchristian and unkind thing, may I add. But as she got into the car, I said, what is, what's the matter? I've lost my phone. I put my things down and it just vanished. At this point, I was like, okay, I do not need to hurt anybody, but I need my super mum powers to find a phone. So we drove down towards the school and we jumped out of the car and I dragged my then eight-year-old along with me until we got halfway along and realised she had no coat and it was really cold. So she ended up with my coat, which looked like a dressing gown then upon her because I was in super mum mode and nobody else mattered while we looked for this phone. Grace, look in all the gutters. Olivia, look in all the hedges. Search everywhere, far and wide and I will use, use my supermum eyesight to find it. And during this time, I rang the phone about a million times. And then somebody answered. Hello? Hello, have you got my phone? It's my daughter's phone. She's lost it. Where are you? I will come to you. Let me find you. And I think this woman was like, whoa, there's some loony on the end of this phone. And her son, bless his little heart, had seen it on his way home from school, picked it up and rightly so not answered it, taking it home with him and giving it to his mum who had then answered it and we were then able to retrieve it. It renewed my faith in humanity, to be honest with you. And every time I see him, I don't know what his name is, but I see him sometimes and I just think, I love you little boy. <laughs> and if anyone hurts him, my superpowers will come in as well. Because I have adopted him in, though I do not know his name. I do not know what year he's in. I don't know anything about him apart from he saved the phone. And made us all very happy. 
But you know, sometimes we go into this mode instead of allowing love to be the strength that we need to get us through. Instead, anger comes through or frustration or our own ability to control everything and I can do it. But God says, cast all your cares upon me. God says he will provide all of our needs. So everything that we need, God will provide. God will bring. God will help us. God will supply if we let go and allow love in and allow that to be the thing that motivates us. The third thing that it says, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. The self-control is there to hold back the super mom or whatever you want to be. And to keep you balanced in all that you do. To keep you balanced in your boldness. So that you don't become somebody who's shoving the gospel down someone's throat because you know they need to come to God. But so that you can love them and encourage them and share the gospel when it's right. But then acts of kindness and whatever is right and appropriate because you're listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit as he leads you along life's path. As he leads you as you speak to people so you know what to do. You know what to say. You know when it's right to speak you know when it's right not to speak you know when it's right to be kind you know when it's right to hold back because instead of doing what we think and what we believe is right and what we think is the right course of action because of some message we've heard or some book we've heard which none of which are wrong but actually the Holy Spirit knows above and beyond everything that we don't know everything that we think we know but is just completely wrong because he knows everybody's innermost working, everybody's innermost thoughts. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to be our self-control, to be our guide as we're bold with our message and our mission, then actually productivity can multiply. As we heard when we read before in Acts, but more and more people were added to the group. That was because of the boldness that came, the love that was there, and the self-control that allowed the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I believe that when we pray and give things to God and ask him to give us boldness for those circumstances, for those relationships, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and be our guide, then with those things, Amazing things can happen in your life personally, but also amazing things can happen in believing and seeing other people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The third thing that I want to say to you is this, and this is my prayer this morning, and it's open our eyes. I believe that boldness comes through the filling of the Spirit, but boldness also comes when we open our eyes to see who God really is and that he is for us and that he is with us. And I want to read you something from the Old Testament just to show you this analogy through an account in Two Kings and just to give you um, a little bit of background to what's going on. At this time in Israel, the Syrians are attacking Israel. And the Syrian king says to somebody, well, how, how come we just can't get these Israelites? How 
come they just seem to know what we're doing all the time? And the Syrian king's servant said to him, it's because of Elisha. Elisha is this prophet man that they've got in Israel. And, and Elisha, this prophet, he is from God. And God tells him exactly what you're going to do. And then Elisha tells the king of Israel. And then they just keep scuppering us. So as you can imagine, the Syrian king wasn't best pleased. And thought he'd just go and get Elisha and kill him. So at this point, we join the account where... Elisha is in the city that he was based at the time, and the city has been surrounded by the Syrians, Syrians and the laying siege to the city, and they haven't been out of the city for quite a long time. So as you can imagine, fear and anxiety and all of these things, and hunger possibly, are beginning to build within the people there. And we see Elisha then having a conversation with Elisha's own servant. And Elisha's servant was afraid and couldn't quite understand Elisha, thought he was a bit of a lunatic because he was quite happy. I'm in a siege city, praise the Lord. <laughs> Do you ever meet people like that? It would just, you think, look at everything that's going on in your life and you're just happy as Larry. And that's because Elisha knew, because he was filled with the Spirit, he was bold, he was full of love, and he had self-control. And he knew that God was for him. He knew that regardless of what went on, that he was not alone. So let's read Elisha's response to his servant in 2 Kings 6. This is what he says. Don't be afraid, Elisha answered. We have more on our side than they have on theirs. Then he prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord answered his prayer and Elisha's servant looked up and saw the hillside covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Basically, the whole of heaven's army were surrounding the Syrian army that were surrounding the city that they were in. So Elisha knew that even though these people stood and wanted to murder him, that the whole of heaven's army, all that God had in his artillery, stood and surrounded and were there with him. Sometimes we need to have our eyes opened to see what is there, but what we don't see. Sometimes you'll perhaps chat to somebody and they'll tell you something that's going on in their life and you think, oh, I see now. That person suddenly makes sense and you think, I, I have a better understanding of what's going on in their life. And it helps us to love and encourage people more. But sometimes we're not at liberty to have those conversations. So we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes so that we can love people, even through the mess and the muck, so that we can love people, even when they're not kind to us and not helpful to us, because they don't always share with us what's going on in their life that makes it hard for them. So if the Holy Spirit is guiding us and teaching us and showing us, then we know that there's something bigger going on. And we know that God is for us and not against us. Can we put the image up, Toby? What do you see? Do you see a young woman? Do you see an old lady? Can you see both? I don't know about you, but when I very first saw this image, I could see the young woman looking away. 
but I couldn't see the old woman. And then all of a sudden, as it was explained, I was like, I see now. And then I couldn't see the young woman again because it just freaked my brain out. But sometimes, until you see it, you can't see it. And so we need God to open our eyes so that we can see something beyond what we naturally see that is hidden from us at the time, but actually shows that there is something greater going on. That actually shows that when you stand in your prison cell, when you stand in your place of hurt, when you stand in your siege city, when you stand in your brokenness and despair, when you stand in a place where your peers are bearing down on you, when you stand in a place where you are so afraid of those around you, where you stand in a place where your health is falling away underneath your feet, when you stand in a place where you think, my mental health will never be right again that God wants to say to you there is more with you than there is against you God wants to say to you that can't you see that there is something else in this picture that you've never seen before and I want to show it to you this morning Romans 8 31 and then 37 to 39 says this what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future or your past, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is with you and for you, who and what can be against you? He is calling you to be bold in your circumstances and to act out of love and self-control. He is calling you to lay aside your timidity and put on everything that he is calling you to be so that your message and your mission will not just transform your life, but will transform the lives of those around you. Let's just put the image up again if we can for people to look at. If the band would like to come and join me. I believe this morning that God wants to fill you with his spirit again so that you can be bold and so your eyes can be opened. Let us stand. I'd like to pray for you. Father God, I thank you that through sending your son Jesus, you thoroughly understand what it is to know that things aren't always easy, to know that things are fearful. You understand the things that make us timid and afraid. But God, this morning, just as the disciples did on that day, we stand and we pray 
God, give us boldness for the message and the mission that you are giving each and every one of us. Give us boldness as a church to reach out to this community, this city and this world. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes so we can see what we couldn't see before. So that we would know that there are more with us in our dark place than there are against us. So that we see something bigger and beyond what we've ever known before. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and change mindsets. That you would come and change perspective. That you would come and bring boldness like we have never known before. Thank you, God, that you love us with such a passion. Thank you, God, that you surround us with your songs of deliverance. Thank you, God, that we no longer have to be slaves of fear, but we can stand as children of God with a message and a mission. Amen.